Hi, thanks for, uh, thank you for joining us for the hospice experience. Um, today I'm meeting with Karen S. And Karen has actually multiple experiences with hospice. So thank you, Karen. Thank you for offering to share your experience. Um, you know, the goal of this program is to educate people on hospice. Um, there's a lot of um, misconceptions about hospice, a lot of uh, misunderstanding. So we're hoping that, you know, with your experiences, that maybe someone who's, uh, who has a family member they're considering hospice for, that they would be a little bit more comfortable and they would sort of know a little bit more going into it. So thank you again, Karen. Um, could you tell us some, some of your experiences? Yes, well, thank you for doing this. I really do think it's important because there are a lot of misconceptions about hospice. Um, the experiences that I have, I had, I've had four. Um, the first experience that um, I had was back in 2008 with my grandmother um, and she was suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, we found out later that she had an underlying, underlying um, uh, colon cancer that is very common in patients that are 90 to 91 years old, but um, it contributed to things. Um, the second one was our, my father-in-law, who uh, was only six weeks after my grandmother. He was suffering from COPD. So um, they were both um, at home hospice. And... Um, that my my father-in-law i didn't have um direct decision making with that one so you know the situation was a little different but um i was still involved in it in some capacity um in 2015 my mother um was diagnosed with cancer on um a tuesday and passed on thursday wow. um she had uh, cancer for probably four years that none of her doctors picked up unfortunately she was going to like seven different doctors every six weeks for something um, and none of them picked it up. So that was actually um, hospice, but in the hospital because she was not stable enough to be transferred um, to a hospice facility because she was, she just would not have made it. Right. Um, so that experience, experience was different from the other three. And then the fourth one was my sister who um, was diagnosed with cancer in 2017. She was um, 48 when she was diagnosed. So she moved in with us at our house with my husband and my children, um, lived with us um, and passed away 18 months later from cancer. Um, we also did that hospice at home. Okay. Um, so three of them were at home. Um, those three were totally different situations and the other one was at home. Um, I mean, the other one was my mother in the hospital. At the, at the hospital, yeah. At so hospital. how long, your sister was on for 18 months and that's, that's actually- No, well she wasn't on, no, she wasn't okay. on hospice for 18 months. She was diagnosed um, in 2000, uh, January of 2017 or 2018 with colon cancer. Um, and she passed in August of 2019, but she was not on hospice the whole time. Okay. Um, but with her, we had a lot more time um, first of all, we had a lot more experience because I had already been through it three times. Right. Um, and we had a lot more time to plan. And because she was young and more, um, she was able to help in that decision-making process because she was like, not like my grandmother who had dementia and it was right. just a little different. And my mom also, my mom really didn't have much input either because she was diagnosed on a Tuesday, passed on a Thursday. And she just declined so rapidly. She was only 70, but it was fast. Yeah. You know, so, um, so yeah, my sister was on hospice for, I would say we start, started with palliative care and I feel like I'm jumping ahead because palliative care is something like 
that I'd like to talk about too. But um, but my sister was was technically I would say on hospice for about like four weeks. Okay. All right. So um, four weeks is actually isn't that long for for hospice. So what what is? Let's go back to your first experience with hospice. Okay. Um, was there anything going into hospice that you didn't understand? Like yes, um, yeah, a lot. So um, my grandmother. Um, to go back a little bit, my father had passed away suddenly um, a year prior to my grandmother. Uh, he was her only child. So um, it's almost like as soon as he passed away, mentally, um, her her mind just would not go to that place of losing her son when she was 91. Um, so she started to rapidly decline. Um, about a year after he passed, we noticed that she kept getting dehydrated. So you know, every time we would uh, take her to the, you know, her every two month doctor visit, she was like losing weight, uh, you know, 10 pounds, 12 pounds. And her family doctor really was not much of a help. Um, he had been her family doctor probably since she was like 40, um, you know, him. And uh, he just, um, just didn't have any information as to why this was happening. So she ended up uh, being admitted to the emergency room and um, going to the emergency room and then was admitted um, and for dehydration. So I have a friend who is a hospice nurse, but really in, then I thought hospice was for patients who had cancer. And I didn't know that hospice was for other things. Um, so I had a conversation with the ER doctor who explained to me you know, your grandmother is, you know, 91, she's dehydrated. Um, you know, you might want to, um, you know, just, um, th this is going to happen. She's going to keep dehydrating because of things that are going on with her medically. And I said to him, well, what will, what can I do to avoid this? And he said, you know, has your doctor, um, her doctor talked to you about hospice? And I said, no, I, I said, you know, I, didn't have, never even thought that hospice was for a situation like this. And he said, definitely, he said, you know, you should have that conversation because this is going to continue to happen with her. She's going to continue to be dehydrated and, you know, you need, you just need to have that conversation. So that was my first, um, I guess my first like light bulb moment with, oh, you can actually use hospice for something other than for cancer. And that's, that's a really common misconception, Karen. So I'm glad that that doctor was able to point you in the right direction because sometimes physicians even, you know, are scared to bring up the topic because it's tough. You know, um, sometimes mm -hmm. doctors even feel like it's giving up, you know, where it's, where right. it's totally not. It's just changing the, uh, changing the way you're treating the person. Um, Correct. Treating the person rather than, than the disease at that point, you know? Correct. Um, right. So, um, yeah. So what we did is then I reached out to my friend and said, you know, this is what they're suggesting. And, um, you know, her advice was, let's just, have a meeting you know um, when your grandmother comes home um, I um, she lived with my sister my actually I should say my sister lived with her so she had a, a kind of a live-in caregiver and we and she was very local so my family my brothers and myself and my sister were able to um, you know set up a schedule and all that so we met with the you know hospice people and you know they explained to us um, you know this is what hospice is about and this is what will happen it doesn't mean your grandmother's going to pass next week. It doesn't mean, you know, we can't predict anything. Um, but she needs to have someone with her all the time, you know, mostly because of the fall risk. They're, you know, they're like, she's weak. She's not eating a lot. She was very mobile, but she, 
you know, you, you just get weak and wobbly right. and they just didn't want her to fall and then have a bigger problem. So, um, but they said, you know, now's the time to have that conversation, but don't feel that because you're doing this, she's going to pass tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, she could be on hospice for a year, right. you know, she, you know, so don't think that you're rushing her. Right. Right. Hospice isn't going to do anything to expedite and, you know, mm -mm. inevitable. No. Right. But what I did, so, you know, once we decided to, um, we as a family decided that, okay, this is the best, you know, plan because we did feel that um, she, she would have just continued to go in and out of the hospital. Um, who knows, every six weeks, every four weeks, we don't know. But we just knew that this was like the thing that we should do um, to get her um, just the best care that we could give her. So, of course, we did it at home. Um, and we set up a schedule, but the thing I liked is that, um, the hospice, uh, coordinators, um, and this is what I found with, um, I should say mostly with my grandmother and my sister. I didn't see, I, I didn't see it as much with my mom, but I know it was there only because hers was so fast right. that like we had like a, two days and it was just so quick. But with my, with my grandmother and my sister, because we had time, um, you know, we saw that, you know, hospice is all encompassing. It's not just, okay, we're just going to take care of your loved one and medicate them and make them comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, they offered um, spiritual guidance, um, mental health guidance for, and this is for us and for my sister and my grandmother. Um, right. You know, they all the medical family support um they you know came and um helped with bathing if we needed it they had volunteers that if we wanted them to come and sit with her um for a while while we took a break that was available um and then after um after you know death inevitably came um they continue with grief support and resources to help you through that part. They don't just like drop you and like say, right. okay, we're done with you. Right. And that's a great point that you bring up that even while, even while the person's alive, you know, the hospice is there to support the family too, you know, so Correct. not just for the, for the patient. Um, we probably spend a lot. I know our nurses spend a lot of time supporting the family, you know, and the patient trying to answer questions, explain the disease mm -hmm. process, just so they know what's going on. And I think people are more comfortable when they know what to expect. Right. And I do um, think that, you know, having that um, hospice discussion before you need it. And like I said, sometimes you can't, but I do think like I know from hearing from family and like friends and, you know, seeing people on social media who are like talking about hospice and they're, you know, like I feel like looking from the outside that, you know, you might want to have that conversation, you know, now, but they're afraid to because they feel like they're, you know, they're I don't know like giving up like you said or you know rushing the process but you're really just you're really just getting the information so that when you get to that point where you're um stressed about making a decision like maybe your family member has that rapid decline like my mom had it's hard to like gather information when you're upset and you know so so you know if you see that your loved one is starting to get to that point, maybe just have that conversation with your doctor and your family and say, you know, maybe we just should start fact finding and start talking and see if this is what we want to do. And then if you find the hospice, um, you know, uh, program that you like and you're comfortable with, you can set it up and like, at least that part's over with. And you, right, you'll have the groundwork done. You've, you've right. uh, 
Yeah. And, and like you said, when, when you're in a stressful situation, when someone's actively, you know, declining or passing away, that's not the time to make the decision. Um, no, Mm-mm. you're not going to be making the best decision. You're not even going to have time to, to investigate different companies. I mean, we're all required to do, do certain things and have certain people on mm-hmm. staff, but not every company is going to be the same. And there's going to be ones that could be, you know, a better fit for different situations. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So then, uh, so yeah, so that was my grandma, that was the situation with my grandmother. So basically she had Alzheimer's and, um, you know, we, we took shifts, you know, my family, everybody had, um, you know, either a week or whatever. So there was always someone there with her. And, you know, it got to the point where my friend, um, who was our hospice nurse at the time said, you know, this could go on for a long time. You know, your grandmother has a strong heart and there's really nothing wrong with her except for, you know, she has Alzheimer's and she does have some colon cancer cells, but that really ultimately wasn't what her um, problem was. Um, And they were like, this could go on for months and a year. You really um, should accept our support. Like, because they did have people that could come in and sit with her so we could go home and, you know, take a break, although we didn't want to do that. But then all of a sudden one day um, we were like four or five weeks into it. She um, was talking to my brother and all of a sudden just like couldn't speak. And we think she had like a mini TIA, like a stroke. And then she passed um, like seven days later. But at that point um, I I wanted to say like, this is where I I feel that hospice, every, anybody that um, is a hospice caregiver is an angel. You know, that point where, when it turned for her, um, we not once did we feel that there wasn't somebody there for us to help guide us through the rough parts. You know, there, you know, when we, when you set up hospice and and they come and do the initial setup and they say, okay, this is the, you know, the medical, the med box that's going to be delivered, you know, put it in your refrigerator um, or wherever, you know, if there's refrigerated medication, you know, put it in your refrigerator. Don't, you don't even need it. You don't even have to touch it until you know, you get to that point where we say, okay, this is what you might need to do. And we'll walk you through all of it. So, you know, there were times when my grandmother had difficulty breathing and, you know, we'd pick up the phone. It could have been three o'clock in the morning and they answered the phone like they were waiting for our phone call. And, you know, I, I just know personally out of the four hospice experiences that I've had, um, two of them were with one company. One of them was in the hospital. So that was a different hospice uh, company and then the third one that I did or the fourth one my sister recently was um, a different one um, I we had like very positive experiences with all three of them um, yeah. they just I, you just always felt like no matter what you needed they were there for you no matter what time of the day and you, and it's I, I just always want to say to people it's completely doable at home if you want your loved one to be at home right you know right with that extra support yeah yeah and sometimes people are different sometimes uh, a lot of people that I've, i talk to want to stay home but sometimes they don't you know so right. uh, so hospice can help in facilities too and like like you saw in, in the hospital um and i just wanted to clarify when when someone has support with at hosp with hospice at home the hospice nurse isn't sitting there you know 24 24 no. right the family still providing the care the hospice mm-hmm. is there to uh, support you right and the, and i mean especially like with my sister's case um you know she was younger and um you know it was like really like her case was kind of um unique in the fact that you know like i said she was younger she was able to make the decisions with us 
Um, but, you know, coming from a, um, a standpoint of the loved one, it, even though it was um, my sister could make the decisions, we still had a hard time and she had a hard time saying the words like, I'm ready for hospice. Like we, you know, she, we started on palliative. I say we, because my sister and I always just said we, cause we made decisions together all the time about her care. But, um, you know, when, you know, when she was on palliative care, um, it was because she had a, um, she had had a bowel perforation and had to have an emergency colostomy. And that came, um, that was in April. And so for the, like the last, you know, April to August when she passed was like the most difficult um, time. So we had a lot of nursing care and palliative care at home because of the colostomy and the issues that she had with it. Like she, there were, there was like kind of a mistake with her surgery and it was just not, a, a, it was not a, a, a normal like ostomy, you know, it, it just had some challenges so you know the um so we did have a lot of nursing care so when we when they they talked to her about palliative care um and she said okay i think we should do this Mm -hmm. um at that point we she probably could have gone on hospice care but you know she even said i feel like when i say that word um it means that i've given up and she goes and i don't want to give up so you know, we never really, the transition from palliative to hospice care for us was a lot, um, it was just different. We were down the shore on vacation when we had to go on hospice care. Like she was on palliative care. We went on vacation, which is another thing to bring up is that you can continue with your life when you're on hospice. Like you don't have to say, I'm on hospice. I can't do anything. We went to the beach and we did our vacation down the shore and the, and they were like, you know, if you need us, here's the number, just call us. And that's what, that's actually what happened. She ended up with the bowel obstruction on vacation and we had to call them. And we, you know, at that point, my sister said, you know, I think it's, um, I think things are happening. I think it's getting closer. I think we need to go on hospice and I think we need to call them. So we did. And amazingly, um, they came to our shore house and we signed the hospice, um, papers and did everything they had their spiritual um person come down the shore and met with us um and you know we started the process down there so then it was in new jersey so that kind of brought that kind of had like a little bit of a a wrinkle to it because when we came home in back into pennsylvania we had to sign off jersey hospice and then sign back on pennsylvania but it was very same company the transition was very smooth um and and it worked yeah that's that's amazing that they were able to accommodate you that way yeah it was it was amazing it was and um you know and like i said when you know they had you know the meds were delivered to our beach house it's not our house but it was a rental for a week sure. but all this happened in a week it was so fast yeah. you know they made the call they were like okay we'll be out at you know two o'clock tomorrow um it was very quick very thorough. We never once felt like, um, you know, we just never once felt like we can't do this. Like, oh, we never felt like, oh, we have to quick leave and rush her to the hospital. Right. right. You um, and then, she was able to yeah. stay out of the hospital then. Yeah. And so then we came home, uh, signed back on with the same company, but in Pennsylvania. And then we continued from there. And, um, and she passed away about nine days later. Yeah. And so and people listening, Karen, um, pal- the difference between palliative and hospice and, and you brought up palliative 
is when someone's on palliative, they can continue to get treatments. It's, it's not as much support as hospice, um, but they can con continue to, like for cancer, for example, they could continue to get chemotherapy, radiation, whatever, um, and palliative Correct. is there to manage the symptoms to help keep them comfortable. Correct. And my sister's, my sister's like one of her, her issues was, you know, obviously the ostomy and then also the fact that um, she had a very high tolerance for pain and didn't like to take pain medication. Um, and, you know, she was at that point where they were, you know, we were like starting to discuss like, what else can we do to manage the pain? And she was just very adamant about, I don't want to be, you know, pumped up with you know, more and more and more. Mm -hmm. um, so we were just trying to explore different ways to like keep her comfortable, but yet not have to go um, on hospice because I just think she, she just had mentally that um, fear of the word because of what it, um, what the connotations were for her. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's sort of a shame that uh, there's no way to, to rename it because a no. lot of people are just scared scared by you know the word has right so yeah but people don't have to think you know i just want people to know that like you don't have to um you know if your family or your loved one gets to that point where you need it it doesn't mean that um death is going to come soon it could you know depending on your situation but it doesn't um necessarily mean that and you know you can still live your life on hospice you know you can um and she did you know we went down the shore and we went out to dinner and until things got to the point where she couldn't. Right. Um, but, um, but sometimes it's just hard, like, especially in a situation where you're undergoing treatments, it's hard to say, um, I'm not going to have chemo anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to do any treatments anymore. That's hard because you do feel like, even though, you know, I hate to say it, that you can't beat this, you know, like certain kinds of cancer. Like I think when you're at the point, you might not be able to, mm -hmm. it's still hard to say it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I actually, I spoke with a, uh, a nurse practitioner at, at an oncologist's office and she was a real proponent of hospice. And she was saying, you know, it's hospice is just changing the focus. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's instead of focusing on the disease, you're focusing on the person, you're trying to keep that person, you know, comfortable as possible. Um, so, you know, I'm really glad that you were able to share your experience and, you know, I hope it really helps some people. Um, just so they're they're not as as scared of it. Um, is there any yeah. is there any uh, anything you could offer um, advice if someone's considering hospice if they're looking at a company or anything like that? Like any any specific advice? Uh, well, my I would just say to talk to as many friends who have personally gone through it. Um, like you said, sometimes the doctors, you know, I, I always found that even when you ask them questions like about you know who should we call or you know who would you recommend they, they really don't know um i just feel that if you reach out to you know friends or even on social media and just say has anyone done hospice can you tell me your experience you know i know that personally from uh, one of the local facebook pages that um i've seen occasionally people who are um having horrible hospice experiences and i it upsets me because i know it doesn't have to be that way yeah. um and you know like you know, they'll say, you know, this happened and that happened. And and I'm screaming to myself inside, no, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't right. happen. Like it, sh it doesn't have to happen that way. Yeah. Um, and, and I do say, I watched your, the one video with the gentleman who I forget his name. Um, but he had, he had some in New York, he was in, yeah. yeah. yeah and, you know, I want to say to people like that, like, um, that, 
you will always question yourself. And I just think that's nature. That's like, it, it's just human nature to always say, did we make the right decision? Even in, like I said, all four of my loved ones that did it, I know it was the right decision. But even now, I still sometimes will say about my sister, like, oh, did we do that? Or should we have done this? Or should we have done that? And you will question, you know, the medications. Um, you know, did I give the medication too soon? Should we have waited? And, you know, I feel that people need to, um, after it's over, they need to give themselves some grace and say, you know, um, don't beat yourself up. You know, um, the goal, you know, is to keep your, keep your loved one free of pain and help them transition into the next life in a way that is, um, that is not painful and stressful. And, you know, sometimes you do need the medications to do that. Right. And it's not a bad thing. It's yeah, not, yeah, you, you know, you're not, yeah. 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 You, yeah. yeah. you let them, yeah, you're right. And, but I do think that people sometimes will say, Oh, I wish I hadn't, you know, cause I even said that with my sister towards the end, you know, she was in such distress. Um, and we <clears throat> were giving her a lot of morphine and a lot of Haldol and a lot of Ativan and, you know, things were not working because she was agitated and she was young and she was fighting and she just wasn't ready to say it's, time for me to let go yeah. um but you do question yourself and you're like oh maybe we shouldn't have done that and i just i just think i want people to know that give yourself cut yourself a break um that you are doing the right thing with their guidance the guide yeah. hospice guidance that's that's great advice because I, I i totally agree with you um i think as long as you're thoughtful yeah uh, you are making an informed decision you're not rushing to anything then you're making the best decision because you're mm -hmm. dealing with all the information that you have at that time and and that's, you know, that's all you have. So I think, right. I think you have to have a little bit of confidence and in your uh, decisions and you, like you said, give yourself a break. Yeah. And faith in the, in the, in your, on your hospice provider. I mean, you know, there are sometimes people will say, oh, they just pump them up with medication. I'm like, no, they don't do that. That's not, you know, that's not right. what they're doing. They're really, you know, it's, it's always, it's not an exact science. I mean, everyone's different. Everybody fights, you know, some people fight death and some people accept it graciously and, you know, um, it, it's, you know, sometimes the medications don't always, you know, work immediately. So something else has to be tried. And sometimes that's alarming to the person in the family who's watching that. And they think, right. oh, they gave them the wrong thing. They should have done this. But it's not always so clear cut mm -hmm. how the medications are going to work, like because of the disease process or because of the person's age or right. whether they're fighting it. So, you know. I don't want people to feel like, oh, they just pumped her up with this and, you know, just to, to knock her, knock them out. And we didn't like that. It's, it's hard. I know it's, it's hard. It isn't yeah. easy, but it can be done. And another thing to remember is when someone is on hospice, the, the family, the patient, they have the final say. So if you're not comfortable with the, what the hospice is, right. doing, um, it's up to you. You can ask them to uh -huh. ask them to stop or ask them to explain what's going on. And, right. Um, Education is yeah important. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad you're doing this. I'm glad. I really think it's a great, um, a great thing. Thanks, Karen. Well, and thank you again. Thank you for sharing all your, you know, all your experience. Um, so thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. Thanks.